News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Third and final hour of the program today, but I want to welcome to the show, back to the show actually, is Dallas Woodhouse. Uh, he is an award-winning author for the Carolina Journal, which is where you can find his piece uh, that we're going to discuss right now, South Carolina's founding father at the center of U.S. Supreme Court election case. Welcome back, Dallas. How are you? Pete, it's great to be with you. It was an interesting mo- morning at the U.S. Supreme Court today. You realize that, like, this qualifies, you, like, I could say this is part of my job. I had to I had to listen to the oral arguments. Like, but you, you just did it because you were, because you like the subject matter, right? <laughs> like, this qualifies you. Well, you like, know, I've, again, you know, there's some truth to that. I've written a lot about this case, but I'm also sort of fascinated by our, uh, our court system and, and I'm a fierce critic of the <laughs> current North Carolina State Supreme Court, um, which is uh, you know been been replaced by the voters come January. Right. So uh, first off, were you upset that you did not hear the name Charles Pickney today? Did you hear it? I I, I was on air for a little bit, so maybe his name came up. No, but... I, I I listened the whole time. I was uh... a little surprised, and so your. Uh, so your listeners kind of have some idea where this comes from. The debate in front of the court is about the section of the U.S. Constitution Elections Clause that refers to state legislatures as setting the time, manners, and places of election. And the legislature of North Carolina has argued that when the state Supreme Court threw out two versions of congressional maps and impose their own, they violated the legislature's uh, role in congressional redistricting that is put forward uh, by the federal constitution. And uh, one of the arguments that has come up is there's a much disputed version of the U.S. Constitution that that something was presented at the Constitutional Convention from uh, a very young delegate from South Carolina named Charles Pinckney. No original copy of it existed. And 40 years later, when John Quincy Adams, who would, who was, uh, who would later go on to be president, was sort of compiling all the information from the Constitutional Convention, he asked Pinckney for a copy. Pinckney said, well, this is what I have. It was not exactly what I submitted. And there's been this big constitutional debate. Some people call that a fake. Some people say it was embellished. Um, there probably is some historical evidence uh, to that, that he embellished some things. But with the elections clause, the argument was kind of reversed in that he submitted language that said this should be left to the state, and it was later changed to state legislatures. So that was sort of the debate that was – and hundreds of briefs were filed about this part of the argument. So that's why I wrote and sort of retraced the history, and it it may end up being a factor in the decision, but it was not brought up extensively in the the court arguments. Um, but I did find it to be a little more complicated than um, than the, the, the critics that are against the sort of uh, the North Carolina legislature here were very against sort of using that version of the Constitution. I did not think, but then again, we are in a time and place here where we don't agree on the definition of what a woman is, so I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that uh, we cannot agree on what the definition of a legislature is. I was yeah, operating... I was surprised at that in the, in the hearing today, 
Justice Brown, who was put on the court by Biden, you know, went all around the, the fact of what a definition of a legislature is, when I think everybody learned that when they were about eight years old. Uh, I actually thought it was a, a pretty good day in the court for the North Carolina legislature, but I don't think it was a terrible day for the other side either. It was pretty clear to me that a very limited, uh, narrow finding in favor of the legislature is the likely outcome. You know, what they're going to say, I believe, is that if you act as egregiously, and I believe the state Supreme Court was extremely egregious, that um, you throw out maps, you don't explain why, that you use undefined language in a state constitution, and you, 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 you stop being an oversight of a judiciary, but you just take over the role of the legislature, you've then violated the federal constitution. So I think... Um, I think in the end, the legislature will win this on very narrow grounds. Um, but what I can say is, you know, the oral arguments went on for three hours. I am talking to you on this show, and despite the predictions of hundreds of liberal commentators, news articles, democracy is still standing. And uh, I will guarantee you that whatever decision the Supreme Court makes come the spring or early summer, that democracy in America is going to roll right on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this is. I was reading the McClatchy editorial. I was reading the WRAL uh, parent company. Uh, you know Seth Efron's uh, editorial over at uh, Capital Broadcast, and, and it's just it's it, it it's like they've never heard the if they've never heard the 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 phrase the boy who cried wolf. I mean, every single thing is the end of democracy, which is first off impossible because we all died from net neutrality already. There's no. I mean, come on. No one is even alive anymore. Well, di- didn't we die from Y2K? That's Oh, I forgot about that. We were, There you go. We were dead before net neutrality. Um, so, all right, so this idea that legislature can't really be defined, we're not really sure what it means. It could be the state. It could be the governor. It could be the people. It could be everybody. It could be a commission. It could be all of these different things. You say it's going to be probably determined on a more narrow basis looking at the what the, what the, the state Supreme Court did in just this instance. So how then... Yeah. But how, how do you create, because this is really at the heart of the matter, right? And you mentioned this, too. Th- there's no standard here for legislative bodies to look at and say, here's how we comply with the law, and then we avoid litigation. It doesn't seem to me that there's ever going to be a point, if Republicans are drawing the maps, that the left doesn't sue. Well, no, I, I think that's right. And, and Justice Roberts actually addressed this. I mean, what he sort of articulated was at least a theory that if a state constitution clearly had defined roles or clearly you know, said how legislative districts could be drawn, that that was fine. But what a, what a state court could not do, you know, is pick some innocuous, flowery language like all elections should be open, they should all be free to then impose, basically, in North Carolina, what was a proportional outcome, you know, and and draw their own districts and completely usurp the legislature. In other words, if you act so egregiously, and again, my opinion is, and I believe the court is going to find, that the state Supreme Court did act so egregiously that they violated the Constitution. Um, and, and, and part of the problem is that... Um, you know, partisan gerrymandering is in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. and that is, a, is is clear. And so when the state Supreme Court said, well, the legislature's not addressing this, this is a problem, 
we have to do something about it. And they wrote that. That is not really a legal standard. <laughs> I mean, that's right. a political standard, you know. Right. Um, this has been the most frustrating part of it that, you know, people, well, I, I want to believe that people are acting and arguing in better faith than I think they actually are. And that's, and that, that's on me. I try, you know me, like I'm a, I'm trying to see the best in people all the time. Sunny side of the mountain kind of guy. Exactly. Right. So, uh, so I just, it, it doesn't, uh, it, it confuses and frustrates me because like, well, obviously if you give some rules, you have the contiguousness, you have compactness, right? You have the groupings, you got these rules that are in place. Right. You can you have a standard, and then everybody plays by those rules. And you may not like all of the way the lines get drawn, but they follow these rules. And if you don't like those rules, well, first off, y'all shouldn't have adopted them back when you were in charge. But secondly, then work to change uh, to change those rules. But that's not what they're doing. They're just they want to play Calvin ball. It seems they yeah, want. I mean, basically, um, and I, I did find this surprising that that the U.S. Solicitor General and those opposing the North Carolina legislatures. Their argument, and they said, and I, and when I listen to it, I even think some of the liberal justices who ultimately will go on the other side, but were uncomfortable with their argument is that if a, if a, if, if a state court just generally says that the, the, that the general principle of our state constitution is fairness and the maps have to be fair and we judge them not to be fair, then we can institute our own maps. I mean, that, that, that would be a recipe as everywhere for what we've seen here when a legislature is controlled by one party and the court by the other for the court to always be deciding what the districts are. Right. And I think that is clearly a violation of the federal Constitution. And I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to say so. Do you think there's any chance that they also uh, think about, and maybe this came up and I just didn't catch it, um, that there's uh, any attention paid to the collusive settlements, the the rewriting of election laws that occurred, uh, you know, with in end runs around the legislative body during COVID. Do you think any of that makes its way into this discussion or ruling? No, not not in this case. But I think you you bring up um, uh, you know a good point. I, I think one of the emphases of the state legislature is going to be to get the new Republican state Supreme Court to relook at the idea, um, you know, the, the Democrats on the state Supreme Court decided that the Board of Elections had to be controlled and under the authority of the governor. Right. Which I think is a dangerous precedent. Um, it has allowed for changing of elections law at the last minute. And, and, and I think everybody can, can live uh, fairly under a system where a state board of elections is equally divided and things like ordering new elections and, you know, massive changes to not accept election results have to be agreed to uh, by a supermajority basis that would require, you know, uh, Republicans and Democrats to agree. Um, you know, I, I've covered the North Carolina State Supreme Court over the last year and a half intensely. They have been extremely partisan. The voters rejected that and turned over the court back to Republicans by pretty wide margins. And, you know, they have done things that, that are so outside of the norm to basically lay the groundwork to throw out two constitutional amendments that were, you know, passed by the voters by wide margin to lower 
maximum tax rates and for voter ID to just totally violate the Constitution about allowing felons who have not finished their uh, sentences and obligation to the state to, to vote despite clear language in the Constitution. And what they've done over the last number of weeks, you know, is they've been in a bum rush to decide right. any of these cases before the court flips. Um, you know, the, the new state Supreme Court um, and the legislature are going to have are going to have um, a lot of very bad policy and horrific, um, you know, judicial stuff. They're going to have to unwind and clean up in North Carolina. And that, that is unfortunate. Dallas Woodhouse, you can. I think, I think they. I think the North Carolina State Supreme Court, as they're going to lose it, the U.S. Supreme Court, and through other things, has done immeasurable damage to the institution in North Carolina, and the Republicans um, who take over are going to have to work to repair that, and it will take a generation. Hmm. Dallas Woodhouse, you can read his uh, work at CarolinaJournal.com. South Carolina founding father at Center of U.S. Supreme Court Election Case is the title of the piece. Or follow him on Twitter. He's got analysis over there at Dallas Woodhouse. Dallas, good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Pete, have a great day. You too. Now through January 6th, it's the Light the Nights Festival. Yeah, yeah. Truist Field, Uptown Charlotte, now through January 6th. We got ice. Well, ice skating. I mean, we have ice. Ice skating rink, a snow tubing hill, light shows, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping. Santa Claus will be there. Which I kind of feel like I buried the lead there. But you can feel the magic of the holidays from Christmas Tree Lane to the Snowtastic Winter Wonderland. It's going to be fantastic. It already is. It's go- it's going on right now through January 6th. The Charlotte Knights hosting the Light the Knights Festival. Uh, tickets, 10 bucks for the festival. 25 include unlimited ice skating and snow tubing. Uh, you can also pay $35 for a pass, and that gives you unlimited ice skating and snow tubing. So a bunch of different options for you, and uh, go have fun. All righty, so uh, the independent state legislature theory or doctrine I think I find this funny that they can't even agree. The two sides can't even agree on what it is that they're debating. Because if I call it the doctrine, then that makes it sound like it's it's real. And if I call it a theory, then that makes it sound like it's just a theory. So they're all about the branding of the argument. Okay, well, the independent state legislature idea. How about that? Independent state legislature idea or ISLI. The I-S-L-I. The ISLI or ISLI. Isly, Isly, the Isly. That's it. We got our name. Okay. Republican efforts to draw congressional districts heavily in their favor were blocked by a. De- That's the thing too. This is the Associated Press. Heavily in their favor. It wasn't heavily in their favor. They actually made competitive districts. In fact, the maps that Republicans drew were more competitive than the maps that the court drew, and they're quote special masters. Yeah, they were they were more competitive than the court's maps because the court maps guaranteed a seven seven split or. Well, I think there was one seat that was that was a true toss up seat, and that was the one that uh, Bo Hines lost to Wiley Nickel. That was that was the closest competitive seat as originally drawn. But the extra one that, you know, Jeff Jackson just got, you take a look at that district Right? They cracked Charlotte. That's what the court did. 
They cracked Charlotte, Mecklenburg County. They cut us in half, and they put half of us with Gaston County. So Gaston County now gets repped by Jeff Jackson. Um, if you had done that in any other district, any other county, there would have been bloody hell to pay. But they don't care because it's different when Democrats do it. That's the standard. So this is why when people say, don't you want fair maps? I, I don't know what that means anymore. I used to be of that opinion, too. And then when you get into the weeds on this stuff and you realize, first off, there are no real good actors involved, right? It's an inherently political process. And you can't trust people on the other side to actually come up with some judiciable standards. Because this would be the decade to have done so, and they did not do so. They refused to do so. They don't want to set any standards because they because w- here's the thing. They, they had to roll back the standards that they initially put in place when Republicans were suing them for drawing gerrymandered maps. Now, and then Republicans started using those rules, and oh, now it's a gerrymander. Now it's unconstitutional. I mean, think about that for a moment. We went a century plus getting maps that were gerrymandered by Democrats, and it took a Republican legislature to follow their law for them to realize, oh my gosh, this is unconstitutional. We've been doing it. It's all wrong for the last century and a half. Our bad. At very best, you'll get some people every now and again when you're in these debates with them. At the best, you'll get them to say something like, well, it's wrong when everyone does it. You'll get that. Every now and again, you'll get that. And then they want to pivot right off of that to, this is why you guys stink. Let's have independent redistricting commissions so they'll be fair. Okay, and who's on the commission? Do you want people with political experience or not? Do you want people that understand how to draw lines, what the rules are? You you want people with knowledge of the subject matter? Oh, no, because then that would be thumb on the scale, right? Okay, so let's get a bunch of morons that, all right, well, okay, that's too strong. We'll get a bunch of ignoramuses, right? People who are ignorant of all of the, the rules. They're ignorant of politics. They have, they have no interest and never had any interest. So, of course, they would obviously apply to be on this body, right? So they would just, they, for public service, they would show up and be like, I will draw your lines. I have no idea what I'm doing. That's, is that the idea? Oh, no. We'll get, or do we have experts, technical experts, right? Okay. Well, where do they come from? The guys like Sam Wang and the Princeton gerrymandering project, like that guy that the courts used to draw the maps that get, that gifted Jeff Jackson his seat, that guy. Are those the experts? See what I mean? It's an inherently political process. So you set up some rules, you set up some guardrails, and then you have to allow the maps to get drawn. And people will vote with their feet. People move all the time. They move out of cities. They move into cities. So long term, this is going to I mean, I think long term Democrats do get uh, the advantage here, but not right now. And so they're having all these lawsuits. It's like you guys realize you're going to have to live under these rules if you get back into power. News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. That's Jimmy Buffet. News Talk, oh, I already said that. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
I'm sorry, I was just reading an email. All right, here. Oh, Dean. Hello, Dean. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Hey, I, I, I heard a little bit about the redistricting thing, and you were saying about um, ignorant, getting ignorant people or getting experts on the subject. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I drew out of that is maybe we could look at it that maybe ignorant people can still have common sense. You know, there's yeah. not a direct correlation. Yeah. And it seems like I would rather have them make a decision than give it to the experts and it never be resolved. Is that, like, good thinking or not logical? Well, I mean, you've set up a false construct. So, I mean, if you would like me to agree with you, then uh, I can we can part ways. Because it's a false... You've constructed an argument that gives me just a binary choice when I know there's not a bi- it's not a binary choice. Because there can well, be experts... That's what you did before I called you. It's not. There were, I gave a lot of actual... I gave a lot of examples of how you would create an independent commission, quote-unquote. Right? I said you could stock it with people that were experts. You could, you could stock it with judges. You could stock it with... Uh, lawmakers, you could have people that know what they're doing, people who don't know what they're doing. You could have the voters do it. There are all sorts of options that are available, but my view on it is you set up parameters, you give rules, and then you have the lawmakers who, they are the ones who have traditionally done this, they would draw the lines. Now, if you're going to say turn it over to an independent redistricting commission of some kind, some appointed body, would they be appointed or elected, right? So they're appointed. And then, then who do you want on there? Do you want people that have experience and understand the political nature of what they're doing? Or do you want people who don't have any experience in politics and have no idea what they're doing? Well, look, Trump made it to president. That's irrelevant. <laughs> well, he didn't know what he was doing. That's anyway. irrelevant. That doesn't matter. You are the, you're the one who set up this construct of, well, maybe they have common sense and so at least they'll get something done versus the experts who don't get anything done. And that's the false choice is that the experts do get stuff done and people who don't know what they're doing don't get stuff done. There are four options available. Okay. I, and I didn't mean to argue, but, but it, it just seems like that, um, the, you know, what the construct that you just said, the, somebody has to construct the construct and the people that construct the construct are never going to let that happen, right? They're always going to want to keep their thumb in the pie. Is that probably true? Or? Always. So think think about what is, the, what is the nature of politics, right? The nature of politics is to settle differences on really important things without resorting to violence, right? And little things, mm-hmm. big and small, but, I mean, taxation without representation, right? You say, well, it's just about taxation. Yeah, but it prompted a revolution, right? So you have, you have all sorts of things um, and that you debate via politics. When you have that kind of power on the line, do you think people who understand the amount of power, do you think that they just abandon the playing field? Of course not. They will find ways to game it. The the quintessential example of this is when California did its, quote, independent redistricting about 10 years. I think it was after it was 2010. I guess it may have been 2010. Um, And the left set up all these fake organizations that petitioned the commission and they put people on there who had no experience in politics. They wanted if you made a donation to a campaign, you weren't allowed on the commission. So they set up all these rules and they got rolled. They got rolled, and Republicans have not won in that state ever since. They can't get—I mean, what, how, many, how many Republicans are elected in California to, at the congressional level? There's like three. Right? It, it's, that's the result. 
So, so that's why I have zero, uh, I have zero trust in the Democrats or the left in in creating independent redistricting commissions. So, because I don't have any trust in them doing that, I recognize it's an inherently political process. I'm going to say create rules that that are understandable and are uh, and are standard right across. No matter who's drawn the lines, you create some rules. Everyone plays by those rules. That should be the way it's done. Hey, Pia, real serious. Uh, you, you know, you gave a, that was a great example about in California. What was the point that they got rolled? Because it sounded like everything was going to go good until they got to that point. Well, how did they get rolled if they were everything, you know, so I will, not to be so, it, so there were, there were many ways they got rolled. They got rolled by, if you want to read the, the, the full postmortem on them, and it's at uh, propublica.org. They did a big expose on this. Just type in ProPublica and uh, and uh, California gerrymandering or whatever, and you, and they document it all. They had uh, so because in California they they had this idea that you had to have communities of interest. North Carolina has a similar uh, language, communities of interest. So you you could not split up a community of interest, right? So if you're going to draw a district line, you can't split up this quote community of interest. So what they did was they created fake organizations. Fake websites, fake groups, and then they went down and submitted public comments saying, we are a community of interest, and they drew lines around their little area, and they said, we're a community of interest for, like, some of them were literally about, like, we want to save the manatees or whatever, the sea lions or something, right? They they created these little affinity groups kind of idea, and they used that to advance the notion that they were a community of similar interest. And the commissioners, not having any idea about any of the background politics and why that particular precinct would be uh, split or kept whole or why this county should be sent over there versus over here. They didn't understand any of that. The lawmakers did. The, the, the partisans did. Right. The map makers did. The activists did. And so they created all these fake groups and they went out there and they they rolled the commissioners because the commissioners were ignorant. They didn't understand uh, the, the importance of splitting one county into another. They didn't recognize it. Okay. Yeah. So right, look up the. You. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So look up this. The whole uh, ProPublica did the. Uh, I mean, the authoritative work on that. And guess who was at the center of all of that stuff too? Mark Elias. Did we, did we learn anything from it or not? I did. I mean, you did. You know, I know you did. <laughs> it's obvious. Okay. I did. I learned a lot from that. I learned. Oh, independent redistricting is a freaking pipe dream. <laughs> It's not independent. Okay. It's just it's a, it's just a different kind of politics. That's all. Good. I'm I'm glad I got closure on that. Thank you. You're welcome, Dean. I'm a giver. I appreciate the call. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's just it's just a different kind of politics. Different people, different participants, whatever. That's all. You can't get rid of it. And the the Supreme Court and what they just did is another example of it. Right? They, they 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 cut Charlotte. They cut Mecklenburg County. Sent half of it over to Mecklenburg or to Gaston. Because look, the congressional districts are roughly the size of Charlotte, population wise. They are a congressional district in America somewhere. I forget what the exact number is, but just for ballpark's sake, say eight hundred thousand people. You could have had a district that's just Charlotte. 800,000, and then taken a little bit of it, uh, the leftover, and sent it into surrounding counties or one surrounding county. You could have done that, but they didn't. They cut a big old chunk out of Mecklenburg County. All from where I am, West Mech, all the way down through South Mech, right? 
and they sent it to Gaston County. So it's just enough of Charlotte to swing the seat. Not even just enough. It's way enough to swing the seat for the Democrat. And that's why people in Gaston County are represented by a Charlotte lawyer. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me, don't tell me that they're going to figure out gerrymandering. They already, like, classic gerrymandering move. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Email from Jay. Pete, it drives me crazy when everybody calls us a democracy. We are a democratically elected representative republic. It is not the same thing. Correct. Democracy is mob. Democracy is, uh, you know, three wolves and a lamb voting on dinner. Which I guess is fine if you're the wolf. Uh, Jim, welcome to the program. Hello, Jim. Hey, Pete. Hey, what's up? The North Carolina Supreme Court action you've been referring to recently and today, does that involve both North Carolina legislative district drawing and U.S. House? So the state court, right, so the state uh, Supreme Court uh, took up issues with, yes, the state level and the federal level districts. However, what we heard today, the oral arguments today at the U.S. Supreme Court was only about the congressional districts. Okay, not not the North Carolina legislature. Correct, district. correct. But I I would assume there has been similar type actions, especially on the Democrat side, in relation to North Carolina legislative districts as well. Correct, right. And so the difference here is that the state constitution uh, does not have the language that the U.S. Constitution has, where it clearly says in the elections clause that the you know the time, manner, and whatever of the election shall be uh, done by the legislature, and so. That's for the congressional races, and so that's what they're that's what they're suing over. Well, it, right here on this very uh, radio station, WBT, I think about twelve years ago, I heard it reported continuously that 2010 was the first time North Carolina legislature was controlled by the R's. Correct. It may be a hundred, hundred plus years. Correct. Y- yeah. So I would assume this type of activity has seen an uptick. Since 2010, that has been that that is accurate, and that it has been uh, a a constant procession of litigation filed by the left uh, since Republicans took control for the first time of uh, of the map drawing process. And, and just from an observation, I'll make one more comment as an observation. I've been you know an ardent WBT talk radio listener uh, ever since I first discovered Rush Limbaugh thirty something years ago, and even before that. But uh, I know it has been kind of seen glacial at times the way it's been changing. But I per- I perceive that the R's are gaining more power, especially on the federal level and on many state levels. It's, it, this election didn't show it. It looks like we almost backed up in a way, but it's still progressing. And I got to think that the Democrats are perturbed by this. To oh, no definitely. End. <laughs> definitely. Look, there's a reason the litigation is occurring. It's because they, they can't win, and it's the only other avenue they have, right? That's why they sue. It's why they go through the courts. Or In North Carolina, they can't really go through the executive branch as much because we are just such a weak governor uh, system, but they do that as well. You know the equivalent of a phone and a pen kind of actions. Uh, but their main uh, their main course has been through the courts, no doubt. 
But but Pete, I'm I'm still saying that uh, for the whole country's sake, the population has somehow got to get control of the revenue-producing power and scope of both federal and state governments. Right now, it's open-ended. You go spend more for your Christmas gifts this year, you're going to pay more North Carolina sales tax, okay? Mm-hmm. Even if you borrowed the money on a credit card, you're going to pay more North Carolina sales tax. Mm-hmm. If you make a little bit more money in your income this year, you're going to pay a higher income tax. That's no. just the way the whole system works. Not the rate. Not the no. North Carolina's got a flat rate now on the income tax. Well, they do, but that okay. That's one state. That's not all fifty of. Them. Oh, okay. I thought we were, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about North Carolina. Uh, so yes, well, in North in Carolina, general, in general, right, right. The whole revenue producing screen uh, scheme got by you. all governments in this country, literally, maybe with the exception of what you just mentioned. But until the population has a better control over that. Mm-hmm. Number's going to continue to get bigger. I don't care whether it's R or D's in control. Well, look at what happened with one of the uh, what what this state supreme court did when they threw out the two constitutional amendments. So much for the defenders of democracy, right? But they threw out the two constitutional amendments that we the people voted for. One of which was what voter ID. The other one, a cap on the state income tax rate, and that has been part of our constitution for decades and it was i mean actually over a century i believe it was in the original one um and then it carried over into the 70s the one that was adopted in the 70s but the uh the cap was initially set at seven percent it was then raised i think during the great depression to ten percent and then what we voted for a year or two ago was to take it back down to seven percent and that was one of the things that they sued over and they won in this the state Supreme Court by a 4-3 Democrat majority. So even that attempt, a simple rollback of the income tax rate from 10% to 7%, a cap on it. We're not even at the cap. We're at 5%. But even that was too much. Yeah, yeah but Pete, as the population increases, the number of people actually working, let's say, in North Carolina, they're going to still collect more money. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the way government works at all levels, state and federal, on the revenue-producing side, and, and it's producing governments that are, are the size and scope that the, the the human population has never seen. There is no entity like the federal government ever in the history of the world. Okay, and I'm just shuddering to. Think I don't know. China's. I think I think the Chinese Communist Party's got a pretty good run for the money going on us. Well, you might be right. <laughs> I think that. I, I mean, I saw. I mean, where they could flip everybody's smartphones to a from a, a pass a COVID passport green to red, and now you don't get to leave your house. You can't get on a bus. Like that's that's pretty terrifying. Pete, that's interesting that you just made that analogy to the CCP. Likewise, I contend in the United States, the federal government, no one's got control of it. It's its own breathing, living life form, in effect. No <laughs> one can control it. Well, it's like uh, George Washington said, i got to let you go. Jim, I appreciate the conversation. You know, Washington said, government is like fire, right? It's a useful servant, but a fearful master. But also, to Jim's point, it's like a living, breathing thing. You ever look at a fire, like a campfire, just stare into the campfire? You don't need, no, no, you don't need to be... You do not need any kind of intoxicants. You just stare at the fire. I mean, yes, they do call it hippie TV, but still, it's like it's breathing. It did. It is. It's breathing the oxygen. It's crazy. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>